Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. How many of you have watched TV programs and noticed the obsession with the term dancing with the stars, dining with the stars, following the stars. Have you noticed how obsessed people are with human stars? In fact, some people are starstruck when they finally get to see their stars. When the Beatles came to America, apparently women took off their panties and threw it on stage. They started crying. They couldn't believe they were seeing their stars. People are obsessed with stars, follow stars, worship stars, and they're just human beings. It's an amazing thing. I was reading that the most followed soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo, has 521 million followers. Not thousand million, it boggles the brain. Did you know that it was 514 million at the beginning of the week? And when I uh, checked yesterday, it was 521. This obsession with following. Now he's a great soccer player, but the better soccer player is Lionel Messi who has had to do that, 400 million followers. People worship these people, kind of deify them, make them into saints. Do you know that when the Argentinian soccer team went home, five million people turned out in the streets to welcome them? It boggles the brain. I enjoy soccer. I think he's incredibly talented and uh, thought they played well. And, you know, such a game of chance with penalties. But in the end, five million people coming on the streets. Uh, what is it? Do we lack something to worship that we have to follow these stars? Going on here, just uh, Kylie Jenny, uh, Jenner, sorry, Kylie Jenner, the most followed female on Instagram, 375 million followers. Why? Selena Gomez, the most followed actress and musician, 341 million followers. Dwayne Johnson, the most followed actor, 333 million. They follow the stars and they offer them nothing. These are weak, fallible, sinful people. In fact, if you go to Hollywood, I've been there numerous times, to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and you walk down that boulevard where the Chinese theater is, and you see all these things in the pavement, you see all the stars, a lot of them have been credited and, 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 and acclaimed, but then they've been disgraced. And today they spray paint over Donald Trump and various other people, three of them, Kevin Spacey, Brett Ratner, and Bill Cosby, are fallen stars, but they still have their star on the boulevard. And then people look to the stars in the sky, hoping that these chunks of earth or chunks of metal or meteorites will guide their lives. You're looking to the wrong place. There is only one person who is the star of heaven, and that is the infallible Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We can admire these famous people, but we only follow one star. I want to speak to you, as you can see from the theme, follow the star. Not follow that star, follow the star. Just as the wise men followed a star, we follow the star, Jesus Christ. And I want to take an opportunity to open the message, make a number of comments, and then I will look at this topic under three headings, so that if you're visiting, you know where I'm going. I'm not like God. I do have a beginning and an end. 
and hopefully I'm not beyond understanding. So let's read Matthew chapter 2, and from verse 1, it's the story of the wise men visiting the uh, city looking for Jesus, and I want you to notice the very first word of the scripture in verse 1, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, doesn't say when Jesus was born, in other words, not at the moment of his birth, but after he was born, it's sometime after that that they came, not when, the Jesus, when Jesus was a baby did they visit him. And I'll come to it a bit later. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. They came from Babylon. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. Notice that, his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Do you realize that Jesus had his own star when he was born? Well, you would expect that if the, the God of the universe sent his only son into the world, there would be some kind of planetary activity. It's logical. People say, oh, it was superstition. No, if the God of the universe announces the birth of his son, surely the planets will coordinate and announce it. And it goes on to say, uh, when it rose, we have come to worship him. In other words, they saw it and then they lost sight of it. Before I read on here, do you know what I've realized? A lot of people see the star at Christmas time, but then the rest of the year they lose sight of it. They worship the baby, they come with the family, and then the rest of the year uh, uh, they're focused on other stuff. If wise men can lose sight of Jesus, so can we. But let's read on. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Why was he disturbed? Because Jesus comes to rule as king in our hearts, and it was a threat to Herod. And it goes on to say here that uh, all Jerusalem were disturbed with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Very important that they quoted the prophecy of the Old Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And yet Micah the prophet being quoted. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. You'll see this, this star, the star, the star throughout the text. He sent him to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, are you getting the point? The Bible is repeating something because it's not superstitious or incidental. It says they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Notice the child, not the baby. They were overjoyed, and on coming to the sorry, they bowed down and worshipped him. That's the goal of finding Jesus, is to worship him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. A lot of us avoid the story about the star and kind of relegate it to something unimportant because we have all grown up, mostly, most Christians have grown up understanding that there is a problem with something called astrology. But astrology was born after something called astronomy. 
Astronomy is the, vis the visualization or the seeing of the stars and the understanding of the stars and their place in God's universe and what they speak of. But astrology is not looking for God in the stars, it's looking for yourself in the stars. The Babylonians studied astronomy. The Babylonians also studied the Old Testament because when Israel was taken into captivity as punishment by God for 70 years, they took with them the Old Testament into Babylon and the Babylonian wise men studied astronomy and they studied the Old Testament and as a result of it, they knew when the Messiah was coming, both from the prophecies and from the stars. And so astronomy plays a big role in what God wants to present to the world, but astrology does not play the correct role because it's looking in the stars not for God, but for meaning for ourselves. Are you with me? And so these wise men, they say it wasn't three of them, a quorum was usually 12, and so because we, you know, th uh, they gave three gifts, we think it's three men, but usually a, a quorum was 12 because you can't have three wise men, you need, a, you need many because they discuss and they examine and they read prophecy and they look at the stars and then they together decide corporate wisdom so that not one of them gets it wrong, that's how it worked in Babylon, and they understood that Jesus would come and there would be planetary activity and there would be a star because when they studied Daniel and Job and Psalms and Isaiah and they studied the book of Numbers because Moses spoke of Jesus, they understood there would be a star that would reveal Jesus. Are you all with me? Now this is very important before we break it down this morning. Numbers chapter 24, we read about Balaam's prophecy and uh, Balaam was a prophet who said this. It says, the prophecy of Balaam of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eye sees clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the word, uh, words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and whose eyes are opened. Long introduction, I saw this, he says. Then he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob a scepter will rise out of Israel. 1550 BC, this prophet saw that a person would emerge as Messiah and he would rule Israel, but not yet, but he would be a star. And they knew that that wasn't just figurative, that a literal star in the heavens would announce his coming. Uh, St. Ambrose, 375 AD, was the bishop of Milan. These early church fathers did a lot of writing and we read what they say, and they make a lot of sense of the early church and some of the meaning that comes through. And St. Ambrose said this, he said, the star is the way, and the way is Christ. And according to the mystery of the incarnation, Christ is a star. He is a blazing and a morning star. Thus where Herod is, there the star is not seen. Where Christ is, there it is again seen and points out the way. We do not live in a random universe. We live in a universe where God has created the stars, that each one has a specific place, and he has put them there that, so that they will speak to us of him, but also of his son. Are you with me? Let me read a few texts here. Isaiah chapter 40. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. They're not just random. They're not just evolving. They're there by God's design. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. 
So God ordained and designed the stars for a purpose. Psalm 147, completely different writer writing the same thing. He, speaking of God, determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. You know when something's mentioned twice in the Bible, it's significant. And here it's saying the stars or the planets direct us to God. They speak of God's power and they also point to Christ. Psalm 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The word there, declare, is the Hebrew word so far, which means to tell a story. So the heavens tell a story of the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Watch this. Day after day, the stars, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. What voice? What are the stars saying? I believe they speak of the star who is to come, and they also speak of God himself. The stars do not speak about us. They speak about him. That's where astrology has got it wrong, and I'll come to that in just a moment. So let me look at it under three headings. Firstly, and I've said it pretty much already, all the stars reveal the star of heaven. All the stars reveal the star of heaven. You might have forgotten in the book of Genesis, when the Lord created the stars, he uses a specific term, and I'll read it to you here just briefly. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. So they're there for a reason. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. Before he says, let them give light, he says, let them be signs. They will mark seasons. They will tell you when it's summer and winter. They will determine the whole way the earth works. But they will also speak of the Son of God. And very early on in creation, before the Greeks came in and turned it into Hercules and Apollo and made it all their gods, the, the, the star signs were known by the Jews. In fact, the word zodiac in the Hebrew is the word Maseroth, used in the Bible. We'll read it in a moment. And it speaks of the zodiac, but the word zodiac has got a particular meaning. Signs of the zodiac. Most people don't know what that means. In the Hebrew, Maseroth. It means this. Zodiac means the way or the path. So there are signs of the way. When you look at them, they tell you a journey and they point to someone who is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Christians in the early church were called the way before they were called Christians. So the signs of the zodiac point to Jesus Christ. They don't just point to us. Are you with me? Notice here that in the early days before the Greeks and the Babylonians twisted all this, the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, uh, thousands of years ago, uh, in Job 38, the Lord says to Job, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion, speaking of the, the planets and the constellations, canst thou bring forth Maseroth, or the zodiac as we know it, in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons, because Arcturus is the, one of the brightest stars in the sky, it's a, it's a sun that's a thousand times bigger than our sun, right way back then, 
Arcturus, with all its planets around it, was recognized and understood by the ancient people, but it pointed to God, not to us. Are you with me? And so when the wise men studied the prophecies and looked at the, the, the constellations, the Maseroth as they knew it, not the zodiac, which is a later term, they understood who was coming and how he would come. In a book written way back in 1863, a German, a German book, we don't have a picture, called the Chaldean Star Bible, the Reverend George Koch says this. He says there are 48 constellations into 12 sets of four, and the word for constellations is star picture. So there is a picture in the stars that we need to read and see uh, and it points to Jesus. In a book called The Heavens Declare, and there are numerous books here, I've read uh, about four of them, and they talk about this, and I preached on this some 20 years ago. The Heavens Declare, Jesus Christ prophesied in the stars by William Banks. He says this, the zodiac was designed by God, even though Satan has managed to pervert it in some men's minds as to convince them to superstitiously think that the stars will tell them something about themselves and their future rather than testifying of him who created them. The ancients, according to tra tradition, read the zodiac starting with Virgo and ending with Leo. Now, why does he say that? Because the zodiac has been changed in astrology to, to mean something else and to point to your birth sign, and I'll come to that a bit later. But it always was believed prior to that in astronomy that it started with Virgo and ended with Leo. So let's look just quickly at the 12 signs of the zodiac. Are you all engaged with me? Uh, anyone gone to sleep, just bump them and say, wake up there in Jesus' name. But seriously, this is very important because we are captured... By nonsense, when we go back, we find that God created the heavens and the earth, and he ordained this to point to this star, his son, Jesus Christ. So Virgo is a picture of the virgin. And when you look up into the constellation, you see the way it starts with the virgin. Jesus would be born of a virgin, and you see the virgin with a child in her hand, holding a branch and a bit of wheat, and she stands there, and she is the, signifies Jesus Christ coming, born of a virgin. It was prophesied thousands and thousands of years ago, represented in the stars. And she stands there holding the, the baby in her arm. And even from earliest Babylonian writings, they testified that Christ would be born of a virgin. Then we find Libra, the scales, the balancing scales. And in Arabic, they mean El Zubina, purchase, redemption, or gain. Not justice. Purchase, redemption, or gain. And in the uh, Arabic, which comes from uh, Babylon, two of the brightest stars in the constellation. Listen to this. Zubin al-Ganubi means the price which is deficient. That's the one scale. And in the other scale, Zubin al-Shamali, the price which covers. So God weighs us in the balances and he finds us wanting. He, uh, yet in the other scale, Jesus Christ comes and he covers, and the word covers there, even in the Arabic, points to the Hebrew, which means atonement, where God covers over our sin. So he'd be born of a virgin, come to a deficient world, and he would cover our sin. The third one is Scorpio. The Hebrew is, implies the scorpion, and when you look at the constellation, the foot of a man is on the scorpion, and it's a picture of Jesus coming and conquering death. The Bible says that he would crush the serpent's head, but the serpent would strike his heel, and the scorpion would strike, so Christ was killed, if you like, or died on the cross, 
but yet he crushed the devil at the cross. The scorpion speaks of that. I can't take more time on that. Sagittarius is Christ now, after he rose from the dead with the arrow, conquering death and victory, and he carries with him a harp, singing the praises. That's why the, sh the shepherds sang when Jesus came. There's rejoicing because he who comes born of a virgin, who finds us wanting, and then uh, is, 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 dies on the cross, conquers death and overcomes, and the meaning of Scorpio means wounding him who cometh in the original Arabic language. Sag uh, sorry, um, Capricorn is the goat, and that's a picture of Jesus, who in the Old Testament is the scapegoat. All the sins of the people are placed on him, and he is the one who carries the sin um, of the world, and uh, he, the, the word in Hebrew for, for, this, for this sign Capricorn is Gedi, which means to be cut off. And the scapegoat was cut off from human beings, sent into the wilderness, and Jesus was cut off. He, he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he carried our sins. And if you look at Capricorn in the, uh, in the Arabic language, Deneb al-Gedi, it means the Lord, the judge, or the sacrifice cometh. Amazing significance. Then Aquarius. Many of you would have watched the musical Hair and heard the song. This is the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius, Aquarius. Nonsense. This speaks of the water pourer who once he conquered death, poured out the water of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, he that come to me and thirst, uh, I will give him to drink and out of his innermost being will come rivers of living water. And so... The pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the sons and daughters after Jesus died and rose again. Then Pisces, the two fish, speaks of Christ. Either the two natures of Christ, but they say it also speaks of the church being born. And the fish always represented the church. But the church would have two dimensions. There'd be those who go God's way and those who go religion's way. But it would still be called the church in the world. We then come to Aries, which is the lamb. And this lamb, if you look at it, it is in a restful pose, usually sitting with its legs crossed, and it's the picture of Jesus in the heavens. After he died on the cross, he will always be remembered as the lamb, and in the ancient language, this lamb or sheep is called Al-Hamal, the sheep gentle and merciful. So he died on the cross as a lamb sacrificed, but he's now risen as our shepherd and the merciful one. Taurus speaks of the bull, Jesus Christ is the untamable, the almighty, the powerful, the one who comes to rule and is unstoppable. And uh, the Hebrew name for, for uh, Taurus is Shur, which means coming and ruling. We then have Gemini, the twins, which is either the dual nature of Jesus, but they say it speaks more of the marriage supper of the lamb because when you actually look at some of the early ones, there's not two, two girls with long hair, it's a male and a female. And it's Christ coming back to marry his bride. And uh, in the book, The Heavens Declare, Jesus Christ prophesied in the stars. Uh, the author William Banks says, I feel these figures present a glorious picture of the bridegroom united with his beautiful, youthful bride. The figures indicate that the conflict is over and has been gloriously competed as seen in the previous signs and indicated here in the unstrung bow and the club in relaxed position as well as the presence of the harp upon which the songs, to sing the victory songs, it is clearly a time of rejoicing. We come to cancer. Are you still with me? 
the crab, which speaks of the church just before the end of time with a big pincer holding on. And the crab has no features other than to hold on. And the church holds on despite persecution and it doesn't let go. And the word for the crab means one who holds and it speaks of the last days. And then finally, Leo, he was born of a virgin, but he comes back as the lion of the tribe of Judah, triumphant to lead his church. And it says in Revelation 5 and verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed and he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Speaking of the opening of history and the unfolding of end times, Jesus is the line of Judah. But wait, Revelation 22 and verse 16 wraps it all together, speaking of Jesus as the star. And it says here, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Jesus is revealed in the stars. He is the star that we worship who came to the earth as God's only son. Does this make sense to you today? And listen, some of this stuff is taught in Bible schools. I could speak on this for weeks, uh, you know, on Wednesday nights in a college. But I'm condensing it for you today so that you don't take your eye off him. Because I want to remind you, the wise men, they got... They saw the star, but then they had to ask Herod where he was because they lost sight of him. And many of us get to see Jesus, but then we lose sight of him because in a sea of stars, other meanings come through. But we need to keep our eye on him. Number two, this is very important. The stars don't tell us about ourselves, but about Christ. If you're into astrology, it is a false representation of something that God never meant. And astrology came after astronomy as men began to look for meaning in the stars and looking for themselves in the stars instead of looking for God in the stars. And it gives us false hope and false information. I was looking at a, a, a website called Church Ages, and they posted some things on this website about astrology and how false it is. And I want to just read to you here, and this, the person writing this article says, in my opinion... This is an astrologer. Donald Trump is going to lose the 2016 presidential election in America. This was May 2016. The article says, wrong. Then it says, a Washington Post interview with a famous astrologer had Hillary Clinton as the inevitable winner because her stars showed that the party that is in power will stay in power. It's written in the stars. Well, not only was her party swept out of power, but it was swept out of power in both the Senate and the Congress. Double wrong. Gene Dixon, a famous astrologer, predicted that World War III would break out in October 1958. I don't know if you missed it, but I certainly missed that one. And then astronomers Roger Culver, not astrologers, astronomers Roger Culver and Philip Lehner checked 3,011 uh, 3, astrology predictions by well-known astrologers and found out that only 10% actually happened. They reckon the chances of 10% happening are as good as a lucky guess. So there's very little to say that these have value. They then found out that marriages based on astrological compatibility of star signs have the same percentage of divorces as other marriages. And they closed the article by saying predicting the future is a mystery that intrigues and fascinates us as humans and the Babylonian star sign influence 
has taken the lead in this field. Now, not to upset you, but maybe to upset you. You need to submit, if you believe in this stuff, you need to submit astrology to two tests. The first test is this. Get a local newspaper or website or blog or whatever. Get a friend to do it. Then get them to take all those star sign predictions for that week and get rid of all the names and then ask you to guess which one speaks about you. They reckon 99% of the people who read it get it wrong. They think if they're a cancer, they read the, the Aquarius, this is me, oh, this is me. No, it's not. You see, because when you put the name above it, it induces you. That's the first test. It gets worse. Take a number of different magazines or newspapers of the same week and then cut out your actual star sign and lay them next to each other and see how different they are. But it gets worse than that. Then take the Indian horoscope and lay that next to it and then take the Chinese one and lay it next to that. And if you're not confused at the end of that, you're not alive. Because it brings complete confusion. We are very easily duped into believing something if we want to believe it. The stars were never meant to point to you. They were meant to point to him. And when you look for yourself there, you will not find yourself. Number three today, when we follow the star, we will find true salvation. You see, that's the goal in following the star. The wise men followed the star, and they found Jesus, whose star had appeared in the sky, they then uh, found him and worshipped him. When we now follow Jesus, the star, we find the Father and we find true salvation. In fact, the Bible says their salvation is not to be found in any other name under heaven other than the name of Jesus. That is not politically correct, but it is biblically correct. And Peter in the New Testament writes this to us. If you think we've lost sight of the star, Peter, the leader of the disciples, writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, different to astrology, completely reliable, and you would do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Jesus Christ is the morning star that leads us to the Father, and we've been given the message of the Word of God. By the way, the Word of God is still the best-selling book in the world. It speaks to us about God the Father, and the New Testament speaks to us about God the Son. Between five and seven billion copies of the Bible have been sold. More than 80 million copies are sold annually. I was reading that the next bestseller in the world is 222,000. 80 million, 222,000. There is no comparison. He's the bright morning star and his word is still the most read book in the world. And it leads us to salvation and it leads us to the Father. And, you know, we get, we get caught up with all sorts of weird things. We need to read and study the scriptures so that we don't get caught up in arguments when the Magi visited Jesus, he was already a child. He wasn't a baby in the manger. So don't get stuck on Jesus the baby. They worshiped the child because that's why Herod killed all the children two years and under. And if you read Matthew's gospel, we don't have time today. It says they visited him. And when they came to the house that he was in, not the inn, they came to the house. He was already a grown-up child probably sitting up 
and they bow down and worship him. If wise men can worship him, and if wise men can lose sight of him, we can lose sight of him, but we need to worship him too. And don't let people tell you Christmas is a pagan festival. As I moved to a close this morning, listen to me, I've heard so many Christians and seen so many people attack Christmas time. Well, Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December, and it's a pagan festival, and it was the sun god Ra, and everybody then tried to Christianize it, and you're just worshiping the devil, and no, we're not. No, we're not. Let me just tell you something here. Just stay with me. Jesus, when he came to the planet, fulfilled every Jewish feast. Now, did you know when the Bible says this, let me just say this because it's very important. When the Bible talks in Luke chapter 1 about Zechariah and Elizabeth, you all aware of that? Zechariah and Elizabeth were childless. And the Bible says that the Lord came and told Zechariah, in your old age, you're going to have a child. And so John the Baptist was conceived in uh, Elizabeth's womb as they were serving in the temple at that point. If you study history, you'll find that Zacharias served. Guess when he served? He didn't just serve. Well, I don't know when he served. September the 24th is when he served. In the temple, he went home. The Bible says the next day she conceived and John the Baptist was conceived in her womb. Now, here's the thing. Six months later, her cousin, Mary, the mother of Jesus, conceived, which would take you into March. April, March, April. Guess when that is? Easter, Passover. Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary at Passover at Easter time. He was conceived in the womb, listen, and decades later he died at Passover on exactly that day. See, God does nothing random. But wait, 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 wait. If from September, six months we go to when Mary was, con uh, had, uh, Jesus was conceived in a womb, March, April, you take nine months from that, you get to exactly December the 24th, 25th. And all the early church fathers, numerous of them, I don't want to mention them all today, Eusebius and Christotum and all of them, they all write about it, the fact that Jesus was either born on the 25th of December, but according to their ancient calculations, could have been on the 1st of January. They settled on the 25th of December as the perfect time to celebrate his birthday. So push all that stuff aside. Don't let smoke and mirrors and astrology blind you from the star who is shining today, Jesus Christ. You know, if you look at the Australian flag, and I'll wrap up in just a moment, you'll see on it the Southern Cross. The Southern Cross is a constellation of stars that you find in the, what's called the constellation of Libra, and it was a very important constellation because seafarers or sailors, when they lost their way in cloudy skies, would wait until the skies cleared. Then they would look for the Southern Cross, and they would navigate their way home by the Southern Cross. In today's world, we must stop looking at all the other signs because we're living in a sea of opinions and we will make shipwreck and we will not find our way home. We need to keep looking for the star Jesus Christ. We need to look at the cross of Jesus Christ where he died for our sins and we need to follow that star. A man by the name of Paul Belouche, and I'll close with this. He did a Christmas worship album and he wrote a song called Follow That Star. And I want to just read you three lines here, and then we'll pray. He says, follow that star, follow that star, uncover the mystery of who you are. I've searched for a lifetime, I've come from afar, and discovered my destiny is to follow that star. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 